There's an old song, maybe you've heard it, losing everything is like the sun going down on me. You've heard the song. Elton John sang that song, and during that song he pled, don't let the sun go down on me, all throughout that song. Well, this song captures the fear of our lives, losing everything, losing all favor, losing all blessing. Imagine a life like that. You know, even the most wicked humans among us have experienced the goodness of God. Rain, sunshine, the beauty of all creation. God didn't withhold it from them because they're wicked. Even the most wicked among us experience the goodness of God. But the fear of losing all favor and all blessing is real. And that fear is inside of you and me because that is the potential of what it looks like for anybody and everybody that does not come into a relationship with God. At some point in our lives, all the favor, all the blessing, all the goodness of God is going to be removed from our lives if we do not accept Christ into our lives. So the fear is real. And these men, they sang this song with so much passion. Losing everything is like the sun going down on me. And you and I, that's the destiny of us if we do not have Christ in our lives. Every day, people all over this planet are hoping that, that the darkness of life will not overcome them, will not overcome the light of life, praying for the light of life to shine on us, that all will not be lost at some point. We're afraid of that. Food, clothes, money, a place to live, that the sun won't go down on our lives. We hope and pray that we can lay our heads at peace tonight and, and wake up in the morning. We hope that our loved ones will lay down at night and be at peace and enjoy a good night's rest and wake up the next morning and be with us. We hope for that, right? And beyond that, we hope in our lives that we, what, we, what we do, the good things that we do, the seeds that we sow, the, the, the things that we invest our lives in, that we'll receive a return for, don't we? I've got this place in my front yard. It's... There's a spot under the tree in my front yard. It doesn't matter how much I try to fix it. I've, I've put topsoil down. I've put new seed down. I've, I've actually resodded the front yard before, and there it is today. It's as bare as can be. But you look over at my flower beds, and I can't keep anything from growing in those. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I put killing stuff in there, and it keeps growing. But I've got this huge spot right in the middle of my front yard that's just bare. It doesn't matter. I want to see a return for my investment. We want that in our lives. And like the writer says of this old song, we're so afraid of losing everything. We're so afraid of the sun going down on us. Losing your job, losing your spouse, losing your money, losing your kids, losing your home, losing your dog, losing your looks. Some of you want to lose your looks. Losing everything. The sun going down on you. It's a fear that everybody has. So today, as we celebrate Easter, what does that mean for us? God wants you to leave with a new perspective, a new beginning in life. God wants you to begin to trust in Him. Trust in Him. And God wants you to release the fear that you have in this life. It was an early Friday morning 
And through the night, Jesus had been betrayed. And that morning already, he had been denied three times by a very close friend of his who said, no, I don't know that man. No, I'm not with him. I don't know who he is. I'm not friends with him. The rest of his friends had scattered. And Jesus had been taken into custody, not just by the religious leaders, but now he'd been handed over to the Romans. And Jesus, it seemed, was losing everything. It seemed like the sun was going down on his life. And as people awakened that morning, it was, a, it was a holiday weekend, and this was the biggest of Jewish holidays. This was Passover weekend. You can imagine, they were excited. The kids were getting up, and it was great things. The bread was in the oven, and you can imagine, they were preparing for, for great happiness and feasting. It was a holiday weekend, and this was no ordinary holiday, though. What they didn't realize was Jesus was now hanging on the cross through the night. Something tragic had happened. Justice had miscarried through the night. A miscarriage of justice had taken place and someone had already gotten married and she's standing at the foot of the cross looking at her son as the sun seemed to be going down on her life. He was everything to her. Why were these religious leaders doing this? Why was this happening? Because the men that were doing it were afraid. They were, they were afraid that they were going to lose everything. Jesus was coming to change everything. Jesus was coming to change their whole job structure, their religion. He was changing everything, and they were afraid of it. And listen, it didn't matter that he was God. It didn't matter if he, if he performed miracles. It didn't matter if he raised the dead, which he did. It didn't matter if he brought blind, the blind to, made the blind see. It didn't matter any of that. Jesus, it didn't matter if he was God or not. They were threatened by him and they wanted to deal with him. They were afraid for their lives and they dealt with him. Here's the reality. Their lives weren't their lives. Their lives weren't their lives. What they were trying to hold on to, it wasn't their lives to hold on to. And your life isn't your life. You belong to God, whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, you belong to Him. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you give your life over to Him or not, doesn't matter. You belong to God. You're somebody that was created by God. You're flesh that God says, I own you. Whether you like it or not, that's the case. You own nothing. Oh, no, that's not true, John. I've got a car out in the parking lot. I own my house. I'm not renting. What's going to happen to that house when you're gone? It's not going to be yours. What's going to happen to the car when, it's, when you're gone? It's not going to be yours. You are nothing without Him. You're nothing without Him. The simple trees on this property, they're big and beautiful, aren't they? Even the trees are going to outlive you. And they're probably way more older than you. 
this building. It's 100 years old this year. Isn't it beautiful? I guarantee you, you're not going to look this good at 100. <laughs> Put some paint on you, I guess. If it weren't for God, your life is nothing more than a vapor. Your life is nothing more than Windex. Three, two, one, and it's dissipating. That's your life. No, but I've got this and I've got that. I, I don't want to lose everything. I don't want to lose all that I've got. I don't want to lose the people in my life. And I'm afraid of it. And I live my life in fear. There's your life. The half-brother of Jesus, James, he wrote this. He said, and now I have a word for you who brashly announced, today at the latest tomorrow, we're off to such and such a city for the year. We're going to start a business and make a lot of money. You don't know the first thing about tomorrow. You're nothing but a wisp of fog. Catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it, if God wants it, and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. He says, your life does not belong to you. You don't own a thing. You're renters. You're managers. You're stewards. That's all. You do not belong to you. There has, been, there, there has to be more, much more to life than being afraid of losing everything. There's got to be more to life than just being afraid of this. Because at some point, without question, you will lose everything in this world that you have. You don't get to take the shirt off your back to heaven. You don't get to take anything. So why do we have this fear, though? Why can't we just be like the squirrels? The squirrels are happy, aren't they? Have you ever seen a depressed squirrel? They're always happy. They're always doing something. They're bouncing. They're not afraid to run across the road. They jump from one tree to the next, and they're like, "Woohoo! this is fun. Squirrels are fun to watch. If you're sitting in the woods deer hunting or something, they're the, they're, they're the enjoyment to watch. They grab their, their, some nuts, and they store them, and they put them away. They bury them, and they know exactly where they buried them. When the winter comes, they're, they're an amazing animal. Why can't we just be like the squirrels and be like, ooh, life is great. Everything's fun. Why can't we be more like that? Why, why can't we be just like a blissful butterfly? Just, oh, everything is great, wonderful, and just floating around. There's this beaver. Dad and I have been watching this beaver for like 15 years where we go fishing. This beaver has been trying to build a dam in the same spot for 15 years to our knowledge. We went there the other day. There are trees just cut down everywhere. He is no further along in building that dam than he was 15 years ago. <laughs> I don't think the beaver is going, what am I doing with my life? Why isn't this coming together? He's just blissfully cutting down trees and chewing stuff up. What makes us different? What makes us want to have meaning in life? What makes us feel this way? Because here it is. God created you to be so much more. 
God put it inside of you, a desire to be more. But bigger than that, he created you to be immortal. He created you to live forever. And through Christ, that's possible. It's possible. Let me say that again. Through Christ, that's possible. (laughs) You can live forever. And you don't have to be afraid anymore. But the only way to do this is to lay down your life before the sun goes down. Before the sun goes down on your life, you have to lay down your life first to have life. You have to choose to not wait for the sun to go down, to let everything else go and say, God, I belong to you. None of this is mine anyway. I don't even belong to me. The skin that, is, that seems to be so me and personal to me is not even mine. I'm going to have to leave that behind. But this fear drives us. This fear drives our lives. And most of us, we just try to get through the day. Well, if I can just do something fun today. All right, that's a good day. Well, if I can just do something good for somebody. Well, that's a good day. Well, if I can just have some cake and barbecue, that's a good day. And some of us end up dealing with this fear in more serious ways. We use drugs or we start drinking and we try to just cope with life, trying to just get through it every day because of the fear of losing everything and the fear of the sun going down is there. What if instead of waiting for you to lose everything and just waiting for the sun to go down on you. What if you could choose to do something about that now? Would you be interested? On April 3rd, AD 33, from noon to three, there was a solar eclipse. And when the scientists do the math, they simulated, they have simulated computers that, uh, programs that, that show our solar system, and they can actually go into this computer program, and they can rewind and see from any place on the planet, and they could actually go to the moon and see what Earth looked like at any given time. They can see where the solar, where, where all of the stars and all of the things in the solar system were at any, any moment in time throughout history. They can go back. Why? Because this is just a big giant watch that we're on, Right? And they can go there and they can see. And on this particular Friday, April 3rd, AD 33, when they rewind and they see what happened on that day from noon to three, they see that there was a solar eclipse that was taking place. And at, at one point, there was a complete eclipse about three o'clock in the afternoon. And, and so at noon, with all the clouds and the eclipse beginning to slowly happen, it began to grow dark across the earth. And the sun was eventually completely blocked by the moon. But it wasn't sundown yet. It wasn't time for the sun to go down. And yet it was dark outside. What does this mean? It means that this moment in time was planned by God when he created all the heavens and the earth. When God put the stars in the sky and the moon in its place and all of the planets and our planet, God planned for this one moment in time where everything would be synced and the Messiah that started all the way back in Genesis with Abraham all the way through all of that, the timing, the lineage and everything that Jesus came to this one moment 
on the weekend of Passover. And he was hanging on the cross. It means that God planned it when he put everything in place. Jesus chose when he would die. He didn't wait for it to happen to him. He intentionally chose how and when it was going to happen. In other words, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was in complete control of his life. He planned it. The Messiah was beaten so harshly, they, they say he was hardly even recognized as a human. That's what the scripture says. The fear and anger of humanity was unleashed on him, and he didn't fight back. Instead, here's what he said. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus was in complete control in that moment. It looked like his life was being taken from him. By all appearances, it looked like he was condemned. It looked like God had no favor on him in that moment. But while Jesus was on the cross, all Hades broke loose across the land. Listen, this was no ordinary day. This was no ordinary event. This was a supernatural event that was happening beyond human intervention. God was intervening. Earthquakes, massive earthquakes took place across the earth. The sky got dark, as I said. Tombs were shaken. In the temple, there was a huge, thick curtain that separated from the Holy of Holies, the most holy place where God's presence used to dwell in the temple. It separated that from the Holy of Holies. And the only person that could go into that once a year, only once a year could the high priest go into that after he had prepared himself and done all of the ceremonial cleansing. He could go in, but nobody else could go. And that veil that separated people from God and was symbolic of, all right, this is God's presence and you, you, you get in close to God, you're going to die. That veil was literally ripped in two from top to bottom. And it was symbolic that normal people like you and me could now have access to God. This was no ordinary day. This was no ordinary event. This was supernatural. This was something happening. Y'all remember 9-11? How everybody was kind of stoic walking around. Those of you who are old enough and were here when that happened. Everybody was just kind of stoic and walking around like, man, how could this happen? Why is this happening? But imagine on that day, if on that day it was bigger than that, if there were earthquakes, if there were celestial things happening, if there were graves opened, if there was a solar eclipse, if the church doors and every church across the world had just been blown off and everybody had access just to come into the church. What if a situation like that had happened? That's how crazy of a day this actually was when Jesus died on the cross. It was huge. This was far from an ordinary day. And here's the point. Jesus wasn't afraid of losing his life. He planned it. He didn't wait for pain to happen. He didn't wait for suffering. He didn't wait for death. He didn't wait for the sun to go down. Jesus looked it all square in the face and he said, bring it on. I'm going to do this. You see, the cross was him saying, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of losing everything. And I'm certainly not afraid of death. And he was telling you, and you don't have to be either. 
But the key is this. Don't wait till the sun goes down. You've got to have an eclipse moment before the sun goes down. You have to create that moment in your life before your life is taken. You have to give it. Let me say that again. Before your life is taken, you have to give it. That eclipse moment before the sun goes down, give your life to Christ. This is what Easter is about. Jesus came and showed us that losing everything in life is really the beginning of life. Losing everything is really the beginning. The key is being willing to lay down your life, turning it over to God. Give yourself over to Him. Give yourself over to His purpose. James David, would you come? Not too long after Jesus was here, there was a man named Saul. And Saul must have been out of town when Jesus was crucified. And when Jesus resurrected, he, he just must have been out of town because we don't know that he, we've, there's never any record of him actually being a part of any of that that we know of. So Saul had heard that there were these people called Christians and he was a serious Jew. He called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. And Christianity offended him so much. He thought Christianity was an offense to God. Here were these people, all of these people that had nothing to do with Israel. They were, they were dogs compared to the Israelites, the way they were viewed. And all these people were saying, oh, we have Jesus in our life. He's the Messiah. And you can imagine being one of the elite Jews looking on that and going, if anybody knows the Messiah has come, it's going to be us. And so Paul took great offense to Christianity. He went and he got legal papers that allowed him to go and begin arresting the Christians. And more than that, to actually beat, torture, and sometimes kill Christians. He had legal authority to do that. Saul. Suddenly, one day, he's riding along on a mule, and the scripture says that he was breathing out murderous threats towards the Christians. He hated, he hated them. And as he's riding along, he's got his posse around him, and they're heading to Damascus. And all of the sudden, whack, he gets knocked off of his donkey. He falls to the ground, and he looks up, and his, there's such a bright light that his eyes are blinded immediately. Saul is completely, in this moment, out of control of his life. This guy that thought that he had everything, he was in control, and he was doing things for God, he gets knocked on the ground and he's blind and he says who are you master who are you and you can imagine the feeling in his gut when he heard these words I am Jesus oh, the one you're hunting that's who I am 
before the sun went down on, the, on Saul's life, he had an eclipse moment and he accepted Jesus into his life. And he began a new life, completely new life. Listen, he could have rejected Christ in that moment. He could have said, no, I don't want you. I'll stay blind for the rest of my life, but I don't want anything to do with you. The one that he hated, the one that he didn't like at all, became his God. And Jesus told him for the rest of his life where to go and what to do, how to live his life. Listen, Paul or Saul, he thought his life was full and he became Paul the Apostle Paul. He thought his former life was full. He was like, man, I've got things right in my religion. I know what I'm doing. I'm the greatest of them all. He, he had all that he needed. He even thought he was pleasing God by, by killing and getting rid of Christians. And Jesus comes along and he gave him a completely different life. And from that moment on, he became the Apostle Paul. And for the rest of his life, Paul served Jesus. He spent many of the years in jail writing letters, and he ended up writing most of the New Testament. This guy that was a, a terrorist of the day, he, was, he wrote most of the New Testament. That's the Apostle Paul. He wrote to the churches letters about, of encouragement and letters with wisdom and, and how to, helping them understand who Jesus is. That's what the New Testament is about. And in one letter he wrote about his former life compared to his new life in Christ. And I want to read some of this to you. He said, the real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry. Filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts. And we know it. Even though we can list many, list what many might think are impressive credentials. What is he saying? He's saying, I have come to an understanding that I don't have anything. I don't own anything. <laughs> I belong to God. I belong to Him. I'm not afraid of losing anything because I don't have anything. I belong to God. He says, we couldn't carry this off by our own efforts. This ministry, we can't even do this without God. We don't have anything without God. And we know it, even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials. And then he goes into it. He says, you know my pedigree. I had a legitimate birth as opposed to all these people that didn't. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That meant a lot to them. An Israelite, not just an Israelite, but I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, which that was a prestigious thing. A strict and devout adherent to God's law. A fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church. A meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. That was me. That was my former life. And then he says, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing it out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. Why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. 
dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust righteousness that comes through from keeping a list from, from trusting in Christ, God's righteousness. He says, I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Don't you want that? Are you going to live the rest of your life afraid you're going to lose everything? And afraid of what happens when the sun goes down. Or are you going to have this? One of the hardest things for me over the last few months since Angela passed away three months ago yesterday. Was realizing she doesn't need anything anymore. I would see something, and I'd think, oh, I better put this in a place where she, uh, she doesn't need it anymore. Her hairbrush. And important things, like her driver's license, social security card. She'll never need those. Never. Her bank card, thank God. van, her sunglasses, pool stuff, and the hardest thing, she'll never need me. Not anymore. She has a new life. How did she get it? She didn't wait till the sun went down. She created that moment in her life and she said, I choose now to lay down my life for God, even when she was a little girl. And she grew up and she became a strong believer in Christ, as you know. And although she once wanted to be here with you, and although she wanted to be there here with her kids, and although she wanted to be with me, nothing compares to what she has now. We were never hers, and she was never ours. We belong to Him. You don't have to live like the rest of the world, afraid. The reality is, at some point, you will lose everything and the sun will go down. That's reality. 
But if before that happens, you lay your life down, you choose, lay your life down. You see what someone did to you years ago? That's your old life. All your failures and your mistakes that you've made as, soon, as recent as yesterday, that's your old life. Now you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now you're a new person. You laid down your life and you said, I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to somebody bigger than me, somebody better than me, and somebody greater than me. And I am ready, I am ready to live the rest of this life for Him. And that's salvation. Jesus said this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. Carry your cross. And he says, if, if follow me. Don't just, don't just accept me. I want you to follow me. And he says, if you try to hang on to that old life, and you keep reaching back to that old life, what people did to you or what you did that was wrong, or you try to live in that old way, the old habits of living, and you keep holding on to that. He says, you're going to lose it. Don't lose your life. This is your choice. God has done everything that it takes for you to have life and for you to not live the rest of your life in regret and anger and pain and fear, but for you to take on a new life of freedom in Christ. But if you give up your life for my sake, he says, you will save it. If you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit? And he asks these two questions that are huge. What do you benefit? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? And he asks this question, and it's huge. Is anything in your life worth more than your soul? Well, John, I, I have this lifestyle, okay? If that's more important than your soul, okay. It's your choice. Well, John, I have, I have this money. Is it worth your soul? Well, John, I have this. Jesus, God, I, I know you're important, God. I just, I just want to be a, a small, I want you to be a small brick in the whole perspective of my life. Really? That's what God gets. Jesus said, I'm either the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, or I'm nothing in your life. He says, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to hang on to you, you'll lose it. 
But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And then he says, for the Son of Man, who is that? Will come. Didn't say might, perhaps, maybe. Jesus will come with his angels in the glory of his Father. Man, that statement should be like just huge. In the glory of his Father, what an amazing moment that is going to be. And we'll judge all people according to their deeds. And I want to end with this before we have communion. The Apostle Paul that we talked about earlier, he wrote this. Anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and Him and then called us to settle our relationship with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. Why? He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be right with God. And he says, you Belong to me, and this is what I want you to do with the rest of your life. Lay down your life, take up your cross, and do what I want you to do. And how many of you know that your life will be so much better when you live it God's way? Yeah. Would you bow your heads? You're here this morning. You haven't lost everything and the sun hasn't gone down on your life yet. But one day it will. And that day does not have to be devastating for you. If you choose to have a moment with God now in your life and accept Christ into your life, you don't have to be afraid. In fact, you can be excited about that day coming. And right where you're at, would you talk to him? Invite him into your life? Let God come in. He's the light of life. Do it right now. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come to you today. You made it possible through Jesus Christ for us to approach the throne of grace. And God, we come to you with our hearts open. We know that you've been knocking. 
We welcome you in today. Thank you for a new beginning. Thank you that the old is gone and the new life burgeons. We are ready for you, oh God. Thank you for your love, your cleansing power. Thank you for a new relationship with you. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if that was you today and you accepted a new relationship with God through Christ, I just want you right where you are just to look up at me until my eyes catch yours. All right? Anybody else? All right? Anybody else? Okay? All right? Awesome.